episode 30 of Fitness Behaviour with Bevan James Isles. We're about to get deep. Alright guys, welcome along to episode 30 of Fitness Behaviour, your monthly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness and all the benefits that come alongside that. Well, it's uh, it's actually been a pretty good month for the show. iTunes have decided to promote me on the front page of uh, their store and uh, that always means I've done it for, to this show about three times over the, you know, well, how long, 30 episodes, so about you know, two and a half years we've been doing the show and uh, you always see massive hit numbers when iTunes put, you know, put us on the front page. So I imagine a few of you who are listening to this day have may have just discovered the show um, and maybe a few of you have, over the last month have discovered the show and uh, gone back and listened to some of the older episodes. If you are one of your own new listeners, go back and, and actually check out some of the older shows. Um, this show is really kind of, I do it monthly basically because I kind of believe that, well, I probably couldn't create content to the level I try to aim to of the show each week, first of all, and uh, and I like to have a different subject each time, and so kind of I spend a, a bit of time thinking about what I'm going to do with each show, and so if you are, you know, it's not it's the same topic every time, each topic it changes, each month it changes, so go back and have a listen to some older shows, and um, yeah, let me know what you think, I, I have got a lot of emails from new listeners saying they're really enjoying the show, so uh, that's pretty cool, so whoever, someone at iTunes must listen to the show, and uh, must determine that they think this is a good enough show to promote on the front page because it's again it's happened to us three times in the you know in the you know two and a half years we've been doing this and you know there's thousands and thousands and thousands of podcasts out there so for the someone at iTunes to choose you know us kind of I don't know kind of cool if you ask me so if you're the person at iTunes who listens to the show and has influence on the promotion of the show thank you very very much for doing that this month this month's show is a show that. I've, I've, it's almost like as soon as I finished the last show, I did the Where's the Intensity show. I knew I wanted to go down this path with this month's show, and it's almost it's almost a line of um, a topic that I've wanted to have. I've had in the back of my head for a long time, and there's um, a lot of sharing around my own life around it in ways that I'm not sure if it's off-putting. Uh, it's very revealing, um, and and it does around the topic of sex and sex is such an interesting um area in society because for some reason uh it's it's, it can be a taboo subject that we want to stay away from and when you think that this program is called or this podcast is called fitness behavior for me to be talking about sex within fitness behavior um i'm not sure if it's going to work i'm going to be really 100 percent honest with you guys right now and um and and i know in the back of my mind i've sat in this 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 concept of the show for a very long time and um and I've always thought to myself I can't really go down this path and then after last month's show I thought no no I need to go down this path with this show and uh and even as I'm saying this now I'm thinking how I put the show together in a way that works and um and and I'll be honest today's show may put a few people off um and I hope that at the end of it that the message I'm trying to portray through the show can um you know, that there's value in me going in this line of, of thought. It, it's not a show that necessarily is a big fitness show as well, and so, uh, but it's a message that, uh, you know, comes across, you know, in the fitness area. So, um, 
yeah, it's definitely been something, once I determined I was going to do it, I've contemplated a lot over the last month if I should do the show, so I'm kind of teasing you right now, aren't I? So um, I'm going to get onto that real soon, it's, uh, yeah, I'll have a listen to the show, and if you've got any feedback on it, let me know what you think. Also, if you are someone who, um, I know there's kids around when you listen to the show and you don't want to hear uh, the mention of sex now, I don't go into, <laughs> into graphical detail of sex or anything like that. Um, but there, you know, there's a sexual topic theme happening within the show. So, if you are someone who you know wants to avoid having kids around or something like that, you may want to choose a different time to listen to this month's show. Outside of that, what's been happening in the last month of my life? I like to give the you know the listeners a bit of an update. What's been happening? It's, it's actually been a really cool time in my life. And one thing that's really happened to me recently, which um, well, there's a couple of things I probably want to mention before I get into this month's show. But the first thing I want to mention is the importance of mentors. And, and I need to do a show on this, but I've had a really amazing experience recently with mentors. And over the last years of my life, I've, you know, you guys have heard me talk about pianos from episode one. You know, I, I play piano and I work really hard at it. And sometimes I think I should be better than how hard I work at it. But I kind of, I go with that persistence thing and eventually I'll get there. And over the, you know, kind of three years I've been getting back into pianos since giving up triathlon, I've really worked hard at my craft. And the one area I've lacked on, I think I talked about this in one of the shows years ago, was that I needed to get more mentors involved. And over the last kind of two years, I've had some mentors who were who were good. I'm not going to say they were bad, but they were good mentors. And, you know, they were piano tutors and I'd go along and I'd spend some time with them. And, and I definitely got value from spending time with those mentors. But recently I started, I, I, one of the mentors or one of my piano tutors could no longer do the time that worked for me and so I had to stop seeing him and admittedly I'd only seen him a couple of times so, I, you know, it just was one of those schedule things that wasn't working. So I instantly looked for a new tutor straight away and I found this this girl who lives really close to me, like literally a, a two minute drive from my house and uh, I thought, well, that's really convenient and I went along and I've only had two lessons with this lady, and um, within my first lesson, I probably learned more in, in the 45 minutes I spent with her than I had with any other tutor around the fundamentals of my piano playing, you know, in the, the years I've had lessons. Now, I haven't had a huge amount of lessons, and uh, once again, I'm not trying to insult my old tutors, but it really made me wonder about when you choose a mentor, how do you make sure you choose the best mentor? And um, and are you getting a mentor who's who's going to help you become the best that you want to be at that thing? And uh, yeah, it's really interesting. I'll, I'll probably do a show on this at some stage, but it was just a really interesting experience. You know, someone who has experienced probably maybe six or seven different mentors with my piano playing over the period of time I've been playing. To have someone who, in my first first lesson with me, taught me so much about where I should be focusing and what I should be doing, and and even since that first lesson, I've had another lesson, but even the way I've practiced, I've noticed a massive improvement in my playing just from her insight. And uh, and she's just she's a great piano tutor. That's the point. But the point more is when we're thinking about finding mentors and tutors in your life, how do you make sure you're choosing someone who is actually going to be great? Because as much as I, I do think there was value in my previous mentors, I actually think I'd be a much better piano player if I found this person years ago. And, um, you know, you can look at that and say, well, that's unfortunate. Or I can say, well, that's just the way it is. And it's kind of my approach to it. But, um, you know, if I, if I bring this over to the fitness area, how do you choose a great personal trainer? 
How do you choose which person's classes to go to? How do you choose which gym to choose? You know, how do you choose the mentors you are putting into your life? And are you just choosing the person who turns up first? Or are you choosing a mentor that really helps you to excel in the thing you're trying to put your energy into? And it was just a um yeah, it was just a, it was just a really it's been a really valuable lesson for me because I'm someone who does seek mentors and and yeah, so anyway, there's there's that point. Second thing I want to talk to is just before I start the show is um, I'm doing a lot more writing now. I've started writing for my local paper a lot more, and um, and I'm getting a lot of great feedback on my writing, which um, I really love. I appreciate lots of people write to me and tell me they like my writing, which is really cool. If you want to get my pieces, I email them out to my database, which is on my website bevanjamesisles.com, and basically whenever I put a new piece out. I just email the people on my database just to say, here's a new piece. I don't spam you. I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm just saying, hey, here's the piece that I've written this week. If you want to get that email to you just to turn up in your inbox each week, just go to bevanjamesisles.com and you'll notice underneath each piece I write, I have a little box where you can put your email address in and that will just, you know, put you on my database so that when I put a piece out, you can get an email to you directly. And, uh, and, and, yeah, so you can get that done as well. And then lastly, before I put the show on, I'm kind of teasing you guys before I even get into the show. Um, I'm taking a week off next week. I'm going away. I've hired a batch in a place called Akaroa, which is uh, an hour from Christchurch in New Zealand. It's a cool little quaint kind of tourist little village, but it's it's a really beautiful place. And um, I've hired a, hired a house for a week and I'm going to finish my book. And uh, I know I've been talking about the book on the show over the last few months and how I'm a bit challenged for time to do this and I'm very lucky that my partner Joe is is really supportive of me chasing my dreams in my life because I went to Joe about about a week ago and I said, oh babe, I'm you know I'm really struggling with the time to do this book. It's not that the thoughts aren't in my head; it's just getting the time and, and I'd really like to go away for a week and you know use our money to hire a house to you know to do all these things. And she was like, yep, go for it, babe. And uh, so I'm, I'm going to be doing it. So I need to write the book. I need to go through the editing process and all the rest of it. But, you know, probably within the next three or four months, there'll be a book out there for you guys to maybe get or, or to pass on or, you know, for me to at least tell you about. So anywho, I'm really excited. I'm really excited about this. You know, the idea of just going away and, and having a quiet space to finish this, finish this off is, is a very cool thing. Anyway, I'm going to get into this month's show. So this month's show, once again, it's a topic that... I'm a little bit worried about um, and how I deliver it and hopefully I get the message across and uh, you can let me know what you think. Anyway, let's get some music on and let's get into it. There's a moment in uh, a lot lot of our lives, I'm pretty much sure everyone who listens to today's show will have had this experience or or the majority at least have probably had this experience where you learn a lot of things about yourself because the moment is so hard in your life. And that moment is a breakup. When you've been in a relationship with somebody who you really care about and, uh, and, and you know, you may have even broken the relationship up or, you know, they have broken the relationship up from you. And it's one of the most probably emotionally challenging times that we can ever experience in our life that, particularly if someone else breaks up with us, that, that sense of rejection or the emotional experience you are about to go through and are going through once that relationship breaks up. 
And it's interesting when we think about when you break up with someone, often the breaking up of that person is the right thing to do in your life. But even when you can intellectualize and rationalize and, and think it is the right thing to do, it's still not necessarily an easily emotional experience to go through. There's, there's two examples I think of um, that really kind of come to my mind when I think of people, how people deal with the relationship breakup. Actually, there's probably three things I'm going to talk to right now. And the first one is the person who always goes back to a bad relationship and, uh, or, or not necessarily, well, yeah, the relationship that isn't right for them. I'm, I have to admit, I'm being careful of words here because I'm going to talk about some of my previous relationships. And if I'm talking about my previous relationships, it's not, I don't want to be insulting to my previous partners because they were the right person in my life at that time. And, and I loved them at those times, but, um, yeah, I just, I'm not trying, <laughs> it's a very delicate subject to get your word around, but you know, I, in my past, I know that I was one of those guys who would go back to a relationship, you know, I'd break up with a girl for 20 times before the actual final breakup and I moved on completely with the relationship and I'm sure uh, quite a few of you out there listening to that right now, listening to this right now, have probably been in a relationship where you break up, you make that tough decision or, or they break up from you and you make that really tough decision and you go into this emotional place where everything is very hard and almost though, although let's say you did break up with the partner and, and I've done this myself in my past that you break up with your partner and you know it's the right thing to do for your life but because you can't handle the emotional side of the experience that you're going through you look back to the ex-partner as safety in your emotional time so you look back to your ex-partner not because you know they're the right person for you you look back to your ex-partner because the emotion you're having to deal with right now is too hard to confront and so suddenly the person who you you left your relationship with because you knew they weren't the right person becomes the most appealing thing to you right now because it, there's a safety that comes with that and I'm going to explore that safety in a minute and the second one I, I suppose and again I'm a bit guilty of as well is um, what I probably would term relationship hopping when you you have a hard breakup with somebody who you um, again you may have known it was the right thing to do but there is that period after that breakup where emotionally it's you know it's everything so what is an old country and western song everything is just so so hard that you literally the first person who shows you any attention good or bad attention or no, probably be good attention you just you just jump on them because they are a way out of the hard emotional place that you're in now often when you do this level here where you just kind of relationship hop you never actually sit back and rationalize why is it that this person would be the right kind of partner for me why is it that this person would be the right kind of partner for me instead what we tend to do is that we go this person is helping get rid of the bad emotions that I have within myself so I might jump on board with this relationship right here and often when you find people who just relationship hop is that they end up with partners who aren't necessarily the perfect partner for them based on their life or based on the needs of themselves as a person. And eventually that relationship ends up failing as well because um, they didn't actually stop and think about what they want in a partner and what they want to gain in a partner. But the bit that I'm really fascinated in, the bit that I'm really, I want to dig into today is that moment from the breakup of the partner, so not once you're you're 
going back to the partner because you can no longer, you know, there's safety with the ex-partner or not really your relationship hopping and moving on to the next thing. That bit when you break up from the partner and you are in that really hard emotional place. Now I know some people don't have either of those relationship hopping things or they don't have the go back to X. Some people can just break up and move on. And, uh, you know, so that there are different experiences. These two experiences I'm just talking to here um, are really going to revolve around this point that I'm kind of leading towards. I think what happens when you break up with a partner is you feel liberated at first because there's a sense of that, that there was something about that relationship that you felt was holding your life back. And you felt that by moving on from this relationship, you can then move towards improving yourself in that area. You know, at first you feel really liberated and, and you kind of, you go, wow, man, I'm going to take on the world. And suddenly, you know, it's that whole, the grass is greener and you jump over that fence and all you see is that green grass. And at first it, it's, you know, it's that liberating feeling. And then what can often happen is, as you take a few steps forward on this other side of the fence, your insecurities start to come to the front of your mind. The things that you don't necessarily like about yourself, the things that you struggle with within yourself about, come to the front of your mind. And that's why I think this is such a fascinating time to learn about yourself as a person. That in that moment... Often, the insecurities coming forward make us want to go back to safety. So for the person who goes back to the ex, that in that moment, what they do is instead of confronting their insecurities and seeing what their insecurities are, they look back to the ex-partner because they go, they accepted the insecurity that I have in myself. In that tough moment, emotional moment, when you your insecurities come to the front, you look back to your ex-partner and you go, well, they accepted the insecurities I have in myself. Or for the person who does the relationship hopping thing, somebody else shows you attention and they and they almost seems as though they accept your insecurity. So again, you, you kind of fast forward yourself in their direction so you don't have to confront those insecurities. I'm going to share... I'm going to share, that's how I roll, I'm going to share, I'm going to share with you my experience around this stuff and again in the introduction before I kind of went into this part of today's show or the main segment of today's show I kind of said how this is, I don't know, it's one of the things I've worried about because I kind of may be wondering if this sharing is going too far. But I figure there's value in this and you may be wondering where is this going with exercise and I'll kind of get to that as I move along. When I was a young man, I had uh, sexual issues. Not sexual issues in a bad way. Basically, I had the problem of premature ejaculation. Um, for those who don't know what that means, which I'm pretty sure most of you probably do, uh, I would I would ejaculate very quickly when it came to having sexual intercourse with uh, my partners. Now, this was a massive thing for me. This was absolutely huge. Um, as a man... <sighs> For some reason, we have this thing about, you know, our sexual self seems to be something that we think that represents ourself as well. And so to have this thing that was such a limiter and it made me feel that I was not good at such a fundamental thing in life was such a, it had such a dark cloud over my sense of self and my esteem. 
And it's obviously, you know, it's not something that you tell other people and it's not something that a lot of other people know because it only tends to be the people you're having sex with who know that you have this problem. But within myself, it created a huge amount of insecurities. And what was really interesting at the time was I didn't realise how much those insecurities were influencing the way I was making decisions in my life. I look back on myself at that time now and it's, it's so obvious to see the way I restricted myself in my life because of this this key insecurity I had around myself. And it was, it was an insecurity that I wanted to keep such a secret because I felt a, a sense of shame and um, that I was kind of not good at a fundamental thing in life. Um, and, it, you know, it was it was such a... A restrictor of myself as I was moving forward or as I was living my life and at that time around that time in my life um, I was in a relationship which it was one of those go back to relationships now this girl we had we had a really good relationship as you know we got along really well and um, it wasn't a bad relationship as such but it obviously wasn't right for me because I would I would I was often the instigator of breaking up the relationship and I'd I would break up and then I'd go to that place I talked to a little bit while ago. I would go to that place where emotionally at first I jumped the fence and I was on that green grass and all I saw was green grass. And then I took a couple steps forward and I thought, well what about my sexual insecurities? And I looked back to my previous to my ex-partner And I thought, well, she accepts this problem I have. And I ended up going back to her. My key life insecurity was driving decisions that were ultimately holding me back. And and, and also treating my partner at the time in a way that just wasn't really that nice. I didn't show respect to her or the relationship. Ultimately, I should have had the courage to move on and, and confront and there was this history, you know, I went over, you know, that kind of back to relationships over and over again. And, and eventually I got to the moment where I figured out that the real work I need to do in my life is to work on my insecurity. That for me to progress forward, for me to overcome this massive insecurity that influenced my behaviours in a way that restricted my life that the best use of my energy in my life was for me to confront this insecurity and to look for guidance and and, and methods and and ways to overcome this massive insecurity. And there's one point I want to kind of touch on here is that when we have these massive insecurities, and the reason I've gone down this path today in a fitness podcast and talked about this stuff is that when we have insecurities that are that instilled in us, that we think they are just a part of who we are and they think they are we think they are forever like for me in the, that stage of my life i'd almost come to accept that this issue i had was going to be the issue that i had for the rest of my life that it was unfixable and so it was more how do i disguise that how do i not reveal that and how do i kind of you know change my influence my behaviors so that i don't have to reveal this to other people because i was so ashamed and embarrassed of it And I thought it was forever. I really thought that this insecurity, this thing that I'm holding and hiding and and so ashamed of is going to be 
the rest of my life. And, and there was going to be this fundamental shame that I lived within through my whole life. Eventually, I broke up with my partner again, as, as you do. And eventually, I got to the moment where I figured out that there was value from this horrible emotional time that I sat in when I broke up from the relationship. That I, again, I jumped that fence, I saw the green grass, and at first I was excited, and then all the insecurities came forward. And the last time we broke up, the big difference was that in that moment where all the insecurities come forward, I didn't go back to the safety of my ex-partner, which was also quite a horrible thing to do to her because it was not about what was good for the relationship, but it was about me over just, you know, overcoming my insecurities. What I did is I identified what really was my insecurity that's holding me back. What are the things that in my life, you know, in that emotional place where I feel rejected, were the things that came to the front of my head that I need to actually spend time working on? In that moment, I obviously identified, you know, my sexual insecurities, and I realized that these things were were restricting my life. And then I thought to myself, if, if this is restricting my life, is there a way that I can get over the, this problem that I have and this, you know, all these insecurities I have in this certain area of my life? So then I started researching. I read books. I went and saw some doctors. I, um, I went to a sex clinic. I spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to overcome this, this big life issue that I'd had. And I, I discovered pretty quickly there was some pretty simple methods to actually overcome this problem and within a very short period of time, this this insecurity that had restricted me in such a massive way was gone. It was no longer a problem. And because it was no longer a problem, the insecurity moved on and it was, it was almost like it disappeared in my life. Now, I've got to admit, the, the issue I had was, it was there was a quite a simple process that took me within maybe six months to overcome and uh, it, you know and a lot of insecurities are a lot deeper than the one that I had and that may not necessarily be a, a fast transition but my real key point is is that most of us sit with insecurity most of us in our lives right now if like if I were to say deep down within yourself right now what are the insecurities that you have that are holding you back in your life I imagine There'd be a sense of, you know, you may even get that thing where you, you know you emotionally feel the way you feel when you think about this thing. And and the great thing about the relationship breakup is it well, it's never a nice thing, but the relationship breakup is one of those times where that insecurity comes to the forefront of your mind. And what most of us do in those times when those insecurities are right in front of us is we do everything possible to push them away. We do everything possible to to avoid them, to hide them, to not confront them. But ultimately, if you do that, it leads you towards behaviours that restrict your life. Instead of doing this, what we really should be doing at that time is not look for the safety, not look for the easy way out or the way to push it down. What we need to do is we need to identify 
what are those insecurities? What are those, you know, what are those things that I'm most fearful of being revealed in this moment? And then what we need to start to do is we need to start to think about a plan of overcoming your insecurities. So that moment when I broke up for my partner for the last time and I stepped over that green grass fence and I took those first few steps forward and I felt, you know, my massive insecurities come forward. And that moment, I went, well, how do I overcome these insecurities? Now today I know I've talked a lot about the, the sexual side of, you know, my sexual insecurities and those relationships and how they have restricted me. Well, what was really fascinating from that moment forward was that once I'd spent that time overcoming those insecurities and, and seen evidence that I was able to overcome those insecurities and, and experience life without those insecurities, I felt I was able to move towards my ultimate life. Like I felt, there was a few things, there was a few massive things that happened at the time actually. The first is that I, I was able to look for, on a relationship side of things, I was able to look for partners who were adding value to my life. I often think, um, I know this is kind of a lot of relationship stuff in here today, but I often think with relationships, do you choose your partner based on your insecurities or do you choose your partner based on a place where you're in strength? You know, and, and in the past, I'd often look to partners based on will they accept the thing I don't like about myself. Whereas, you know, Joe, the partner I have now, I was single for a year, and within that year, I spent that whole time developing myself. You know, what are the things that really hold me back within myself? And and I spent time developing those things so that my life was, I was, you know, I was kind of happy within myself and I was confident within myself. And so then, when I went to go look for a partner they had to add value to my life. And then I met Jo and she was, you know, this amazing woman who just seems to make my life better. And I chose that, I, you know, and I do think that I chose Jo and she chose me. Like I went into it looking for a person like Jo and, um, and I managed to meet Jo, obviously. And I went into that relationship from a place of inner strength. And I often think when you look at bad relationships is that people have gone into them from a place of insecurity this person will accept the things I don't like about myself. But really the key message is we want to use those moments in our life when our insecurities are brought to the front. And what we want to do with those moments is we want to use them as an, as an opportunity to see what we need to work on, to confront the, where, where we should be putting our energy to overcome those things that restrict us so much. If we think about exercise... Let's imagine if you're someone to, who's listening to this today and you know deep down within yourself you really struggle with exercise. You know, and, and a couple of friends of yours come along and they say, Oh, look, we're going to go down to the park and have a run. Now, in that moment, a lot of your insecurities will probably come up. And really, what, what we're aiming to do is we're trying to figure out what those insecurities are. So, for example, you may think that you don't feel good enough. Uh, I don't feel good enough around those people who have asked me down to the park to do exercise. Well, you, 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 okay, so why don't you feel good enough? To which you might conclude that you're, you're overweight in comparison to them and, uh, and, and that makes you feel that you're hopeless. And so your insecurity is that you feel hopeless around exercise and not good enough around those people who have offered for you to go and do exercise. Now, what we often do in that situation is we try to suppress that. We try to avoid those situations. 
we try to hold those moments back. But instead, imagine if you were able to see that my insecurity is that I feel hopeless around others when I do exercise and I never feel I'll be any good at it. Now this, once you get to that moment, you can start to see how you can work towards overcoming that. So if you always just, you know, avoid and, and try to press down your insecurities, because, you know, obviously bringing up insecurity is not a nice thing, but in that moment where you feel insecure, if you can kind of spend some time figuring out, okay, I feel not good enough and, and hopeless around exercise, then you can start to ask questions around how you overcome that. I feel hopeless and that I'm, and I'm not good enough when it comes to exercise. Well, the next question would be, how do I start to build a, a next level of confidence with my exercise? What are the things that I need to actually do to start to build confidence within my exercise? So you might then sit down and go, okay, well, I need to find a group of people who have a similar ability to me. I need to find a personal trainer who can acknowledge my ability right now and work with me to build my confidence. Those are in a couple of examples I've kind of just pulled out of the air, but if you were to sit down and go, okay, I feel this way, this insecurity in this area, what would be the actions I would need to take to overcome those things? And then how do I develop a plan towards those things? And then put energy into overcoming the insecurity then what will happen is you'll have experiences of that you're winning in that direction. Now again, like I was saying before, for me, my insecurity took around six months to overcome. For some people it will take longer, for some people it will be a lot shorter. But the key thing is, is that you're working on your insecurity, not avoiding it, not pushing it aside, and living in a place where you have shame because you have the insecurity, which restricts you and holds you back in your life. What I found really fascinating around myself is that my insecurity took up a lot of my time, a lot of my thinking time, a lot of my energy, a lot of, you know, a lot of my life up to that point. And this is probably when I'm around 23 when this happened. Um, you know, so so a lot of my time at that moment in my life was consumed by this this real massive insecurity. And it only took me six months work to overcome that problem. I went from a person who felt that this was going to be the rest of my life like this, that I, I was, this, is, this was it. And I remember thinking at the time that this is going to be the rest of my life. I'm going to always be really poor in this area that you know, I, I, I felt I really lacked in and I wanted to be good at. But at that time, I never saw that there was another way. And then when I started putting the work into it, it was only six months. Like, if you think of that insecurity, you know, before when I asked you, you know, what, what would be that thing that comes up in your mind? Or when you break up with somebody, what would be that thing? Or when you get you lose your job, you know, what would be that thing about yourself that you go, oh, that's the reason I, I lost my job? Or, or when you don't get an opportunity, oh, people look at me because of this. Another way to, to figure out your insecurity is, is how do you look at other people unfairly? Um, I've got a client who, and, and she acknowledges this, and we were talking about it recently, and um, she's quite hard on herself around her weight, and, and she has a great nick, which is really interesting, but she's quite hard on herself, and she sets real high standards for herself, and it's, it's always been a little bit of a struggle, but at the same time, she looks at people who are overweight in a way that's really, really harsh, 
But the way she looks at those people comes from her own insecurity. It comes from her fear of being perceived as being overweight. So that's, you know, sometimes where do you critique other people in ways that is really hard, but it's actually just about you not liking that thing in yourself. I'll say that again, where do you critique other people in a way that's, you know, you're very critical of them, but it's actually just because the thing that you're critical of is representing the insecurity that you have in yourself. And then if you could figure that out, figure out where that insecurity comes from, and then develop a plan, and then put energy in your day-to-day life to move you forward, imagine where you would be. Now I can speak from my own experience, within six months, this this massive insecurity I had in my life that really restricted my decisions, restricted my behaviours, restricted the path of my life. And I probably spent you know, a, a limited amount of hours, I wouldn't say I spent a huge amount of hours overcoming the problem, but within six months it was gone. And then what I was able to do, what was really interesting was, I was able to go, well, how can I create a better life with the energy that I used to be spending worrying about my insecurity? That I went and spent more of that time developing myself that was more empowering and, and was about creating a better life. And, and, and I suppose even if we're going to go back to the sexual side of things, how can I develop what I am as a sexual being in a way that is, is appropriate for the growth that I want forward? You know, sex is a funny thing to talk about, but, you know, those are questions that are good to explore as a human on this, in this planet. And, um, and that, was, that, that was where my energy went from that moment forward. It was more how do I grow as a person in this area that previously held me back so much. So when you think about yourself, and, and I think the, the, the thing that's really fascinating about this subject is that a lot of people's losing the fitness battle comes from those insecurities that are deep within you. A lot of people, you know, I, I often talk about how my industry is losing the battle and uh, and how I live in a sheltered world where most of the people I know are really fit. But I read an article today where New Zealand uh, has higher obesity rate than America now and, and we all know that America doesn't have very good obesity rate and, you know, like, the world's not getting healthy. And... Unfortunately, a lot of people have massive insecurities around their body image, around their health, around you know these these areas of fitness and health. And these insecurities, they keep pushing them away. They keep trying to hide them. They keep restricting themselves because of that that suppression they have around their insecurities. And instead, Imagine if those people were to, to really figure out to, to allow the insecurities to come to the top and to, to see them for what they really are and then to spend time. And, and again, it's not going to be one of those overnight things, but to devote time daily, weekly, monthly on overcoming your insecurities. And imagine if, as you think about this right now, that insecurity that maybe you have in your life that holds you back, imagine if that was gone. Imagine if you no longer worried about it. Imagine if you could put that energy into developing yourself in that area in ways that, that empower you, that, that build you, that, that make you excited about that area. It's really about you bringing this stuff up and doing the work. And I'm not going to say it's an easy journey. I'm not going to say, although for me it wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be, I'm not going to say it's an easy journey. But if you're willing to to, to do the work, you will end up in a better place. 
you will be able to overcome your your weight issues. You will be able to get fit. You will be able to to you know overcome these things. It, 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 I want to go to a place where I want to say that just about every insecurity anyone's ever felt in this world, there's an example of somebody overcoming that. And in some ways I like that, but in other ways I do don't like that because I kind of it's it's real. Whatever you feel is real for you, and often we don't see the way out when we're in it. But one of the downfalls of that is that when we're in it, we often don't even understand that there is a way out. And until we're willing to do the kind of work I've talked about on today's show, we're always going to stay in it. But there is a way out. And if you're willing to do that work, you'll end up being that that better version of yourself or that best version of yourself I often talk about. Go on. Have the courage. Do the work. Figure it out. And who knows, six months from now or at any time period in the future, that thing that you know you have inside yourself could be gone. And what kind of life would that be? Well, there you go. There you go. So it's out there. I, uh, it's, it's interesting. It was just as I was kind of, kind of, uh, you, the way I do the shows is gaps and time frames between each sections. And um, the one point I want to go back to is that whole once you get over it, you get to explore um, what you can become that area. And I know for myself, sexually, that once I overcame my my big insecurity, that I was able to to explore what I wanted to become sexually. And and that was that. You know that was a really exciting moment, and as I think to exercise, I think that you know for a lot of people who have, who have these insecurities around exercise, that once they actually get to the point where they understand that they can be successful and they they feel um, you know liberated because they've done the work, suddenly they they understand all the great stuff that exercise can bring to their life. You know, they start to look for for new experiences. They meet some friends and, and people in different areas of life that they've never been exposed to. And, and I've got to be honest, most of the people you hang around when they're doing exercise are often in pretty good positive places. So you're suddenly embracing new people and, and you're having these life experiences and, and suddenly, you know, you feel good about yourself. You look in the mirror in a way where, you know, you just feel good about yourself. And, you know, I, I, you know, I love fitness, and I think I love fitness. One of the main reasons is because the reward is so great. And for unfortunately, for those people out there who who aren't having that reward in their life, and 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 on the cross side of that, also all the bad stuff of not doing exercise they live in. That when they start to feel that reward, it, it's just it's it's just such a better life. So um, I'm, I'm obviously pretty passionate about this stuff. Guys, uh, that, that's pretty much this month's show. I have got a couple of emails I'm going to read out in a second. Um, if you do want to give me some feedback on the show, you can email me at bevanjames at gmail.com. It's a, um, obviously a very – you can probably understand why I, w- I was struggling to go with this show, and um, and I haven't actually put it out yet. So if you're listening to it, it means I kind of took that step in and put it out there. Um, but I do believe – and honesty. Um, one of the, my greatest inspirations in life always taught me that when you're honest about your own weaknesses, you allow others to confront their own weaknesses as well. And and to be honest, it's not that hard for me to be honest about this now because it was so in my past. I don't live in that insecurity anymore. But, you know, I still have to admit it's not something you go around telling people in public often. But I see my role is to be honest about it you know, my strengths and my weaknesses. So hopefully you you gain something from today's podcast and, and 
you know, you can use that in whichever areas of your life you feel you need to. And hopefully that, for some people, that will be exercise. Anyway, I'm going to do some emails. So let me pause the show for a second and pull up a couple emails. Okay, so here's the first question I got. It's from a girl called Lilia. That's kind of a cool name. I hope I said that right, Lilia. And Lilia's email was around running, really. She's, she's basically saying she's uh, kind of, she's 20, she lives in Western Australia. She, she's kind of into fitness. She plays a bit of netball and stuff. And uh, when she hit 18, she's decided partying was a little bit more important. But recently she's got back into exercise and she's um, also enrolled to get her fitness certification. And so she's doing really cool, really good work. And she was saying that recently she's had a couple of big things happen in life, like her flatmates left and all the rest of it. She's been running, she runs two to three times a week and she can normally run 6K, no problem at all. And she wants to start to do a training, but for a marathon, which is pretty wicked. But she's also finding that when she's out there running, she gets to these moments where she just stops. Um, you know, she, she just goes, you know, I'm... I'm, I'm out at home and I'm out running and, and then I just suddenly stop. And what's really interesting is that she doesn't feel she has any negative thoughts in her head telling her to stop. Um, and what she has here is, I know I can do it because I have, but for some reason around every three minutes or so, I just have to stop and walk. I'm looking forward to the run. I want to run, but for some reason in my mind and my body, I just I just have to stop. Just wanted to know if I've experienced walls like this that uh, relate to running Um. That, that may be how other things in your personal life are affecting you and if I have any tips on separating from the at home to the exercise mindset. Now I'm going to be really honest here, this is not something I've ever experienced in a way where you know I've just had to stop kind of randomly when I'm exercising and it's, it's to be honest it's a hard one for me to give great advice on but I'm going to kind of try to give some advice. So my advice would be maybe what you need to do is think of ways to offload before you start running it's almost like that sleep thing when we when we you know when you can't sleep well one of the worst things you can do is just sit in bed and have those same thoughts repeating over and over inside your head so for the sleeper who can't sleep because they can't let go of their thoughts one of the best things they can do is, is write a journal or have a pad and piece of paper next to their bed where they offload all the thoughts that they have in their head before you know as they're laying there in bed and to do that before they even go to bed is a really healthy thing to do because it allows them to get it off their mind so then their mind can focus on going to sleep. Now, it's almost like I wonder with you that might be a strategy that would help work. So in those moments when before you even go for a run, it's just to have a bit of a, a 5 to 10 minute sit down with a piece of paper and just go, what are the things in my head that are really holding me back right now? You know, what are the things that I'm really, really worried about? And often it's just the application of writing something down that allows us to to intellectualize it, to, to contemplate it, to kind of think about it. And what, as that happens, it no longer sits on top of us so much. And uh, you may even find that as you do that writing down process, the answers come up for some of the solutions around it. And, and I'm, I don't know if this is a solution, but it might be something that helps you to stop finding those walls when you're out there running. So my advice would be try to offload a little bit for you when you are out there running. And then I suppose the other piece of advice I would have for you is when you are out there running, just lose any expectations around how you should be running. Just go, you know what, I've got a lot of stress today. I'm just going to take it nice and easy and just getting out the door is the goal. So I hope that helps. I've got another email here from uh, Anita Regan, and uh, she was. I wrote a piece uh, for the article, um, for my press article around 
uh, kind of what story you're telling about your life and the kind of concept of this piece was you know when you're having conversations with other people how do you present your life to those people and, and are you presenting your life in a way that's restricting you or are you presenting your life in a way that's um you know empowering you and uh, she came she really enjoyed the piece and she just wrote an email and it just got um and in my in that piece I wrote about when I wrote that piece I was I was in a place where I was really busy and kind of neglecting things that were good for me and feeling like oh, all I was doing was working and uh so that was kind of my thing was working and, and she just got back to me and um, there's something I want to talk to you so it basically says I just realized that my story is not having enough time it seems everyone around me has time to socialize exercise work entertain, shop, etc. But I seem to be making poor time excuses for myself. Always feeling not anxious that I won't get it done, what I want to get done, and getting annoyed that my time to myself is less and less. When I stop and think about it the other day, as I was reading your email, I realised that maybe I just need to organise my time and priorities better. I'm a self I'm self-sabotaging from way a self-sabotager from ways back and I find that when I get a spare hour to myself at night I feel too tired to do the things that I need to do for my mental health meditation being one of them I sit and eat chocolate loads of it I'm up to two to three kgs a week of chocolate well that's a lot of chocolate <laughs> but managed to hide it being 166 centimeters and 54 kg but I feel gross out of control and pathetic that I can't control this aspect of my life I'm a perfect and expect better of myself um, and she kind of asked eventually if I could do a show on time management which I'm kind of planning to do very soon but because I actually think time management is really important for success but um, I was kind of interested in I went back to her and said do you mind if I read your email out and she said no that's cool and uh, and I kind of think you it's, it goes back to the where is my energy thing that I probably did in the past that at the end of the day, it's probably not the best time to aim to do things that are good for your mental health because we are all tired. Like I know for myself, today's a Friday and I'm here in New Zealand or everywhere in the world, but um, I'm recording this on a Friday and it's now 5.09 on a Friday night and I play piano and piano is one of those things that I find mentally challenging. You know, I love it, it's relaxing, but it's also very mentally challenging and I like to play my piano between the hours of 12 and 4 in the afternoon because I know I'm mentally fresh. I often meditate before it as well, so I go into my piano session really mentally fresh. Now, when I do that, I play my piano really well. Today, I've been busy, and I won't get my piano into once I've finished recording here, and I almost know that tonight's session is going to be a lot harder because I just, you know, it's, it's, it's a mentally straining thing, and I'm at the end of the week, and I'm a little bit tired. Now I'll get on and I'll do it and I'll try to set some some realistic expectations around what I can do. Like I often make these sessions here a bit more about just having fun and being creative than trying to work on my skill set. But I think that one thing you want to think about, Anita, is maybe at night time isn't when you should put that in. Now I know you're saying that time management's really poor, but if you can transfer some things in your life that maybe you could put in at night that aren't so mentally draining. So you might say, okay, well at night time, I, don't have to, I can do some housework because it's actually not that hard mentally to do, but I normally get that done during the weekend on a Saturday. I kind of spend a bit of time doing the housework to catch up on the week. Or maybe what you could do is on a Thursday, Friday night is just put something, an iPod on and, and to listen to a podcast as you potter around doing housework, which again isn't mentally hard. But then on the Saturday where you'd normally do your housework, that's when, and you've got good energy, that's when you put some of the mental health stuff for yourself in.
It's about being a little bit wiser with your energies. I think that would be one tip that I'd put in there. And things like meditation, that actually meditation, I probably wouldn't do it at night either because I'd probably just fall to sleep. So what time in your day could you fit those things in? And then when it comes to the eating chocolate, you know, you, you do eat a lot of chocolate. You obviously love your chocolate, um, which is fair enough. Uh, but you say it makes you feel gross. And and I, I actually wrote another piece, which I just released uh, today. And the whole idea is, what are you trying to gain from that chocolate? You know, what is it that you want at night that you are trying to gain from that chocolate? And are there other ways you can get that from that chocolate? So you may find that for you, chocolate is a reward thing. That over time, that you know, you chocolate is the thing you love in your life. And after a hard day's work, you kind of go, well, this is how I relax. A lot of people will be wine, you know, a glass of wine at night. They, you know, and I speak to people who have a, a bottle of wine at night. Now, that's quite a lot of wine. <laughs> I, I'm not a drinker, and, and I always worry that when I talk about drinking, people think I'm judgmental of it. I have nothing against drinking. But if you're drinking a bottle of wine or more a night, that, that is a lot of wine. And often those people who drink that much wine will say, well, it's how I relax. Now, the problem when you're having a bottle of wine a night is there's, you know, that's, there's a lot of calories in there, you know, there's, it's not necessarily that healthy for you. And so maybe the better question to explore is, what's a mentally easy way that I can relax at night? It might be that I get out a favourite movie and I watch a favourite movie. It might be that my partner and I just go and lay on the couch and just cuddle up. You know, exploring other ways that you can relax. And I'm not sure about you, Anita, in your situation, but with the chocolate one, it may be that you're using chocolate as a reward. Um, and then so maybe the question you need to explore is, why do I use the chocolate? And then what are healthier ways that I can get what I'm trying to gain from having that chocolate? So you might say, I'm trying to use it as a reward. Okay, well, what's another reward that you can allow yourself to do? It might be, something like I, I play iPhone games, like who knows what that will be, but for you to explore that and for you to find a healthier alternative to that would be something to consider. So hopefully that helps and hopefully that gives some other people some other insight into deal with those kind of those kind of things that we kind of have to overcome. Just lastly, one thing you could do with this is um, remove the chocolate for a, um, maybe a week or two and as a way to discover what you feel you're missing out on. So um, let's say you go, okay, for the next two weeks, I'm not going to have chocolate. Like I, I, I've often talked about in the past, the the month away from your weakness and, you know, how often it becomes quite easy. But sometimes people will say, oh, you know, I can quite easily go a month without alcohol, but I need it to relax at night. And they realize why they use alcohol. And so maybe if you were to say, okay, I'm not going to eat chocolate for two weeks. And then in that time, you'd discover why you feel you need chocolate. So you might say, okay, it is that re- um, that reward thing. And then, so then once you can understand the why, because you've removed it, then maybe it will help you get better at um, putting other things in to replace that, that reward or the relaxation or, or whatever it is that you feel the chocolate is providing in your life. So uh, yeah, hopefully that helps. Anyway, that's going to be this month's show. Hopefully you guys have enjoyed it. Remember, if you enjoy the show, you can go to my website, uh, bevanjamesisles.com, and and download some of the older shows. One thing I would ask that you do is that um, iTunes does seem to be the best way to promote the podcast, but 
uh, you know, it's, it's can be hard to get promotion, although this show does seem to get pretty good promotion. But at the same time, if you could go on iTunes within your own region and just write a review about the show, if you enjoy the show, what you really get from the show, um, it really does help to get more people involved. And the other thing as well is obviously with social networks nowadays, if you enjoy the show, um, join my Twitter, join my... I've only really started to get into Twitter, so maybe follow me on Twitter and, and when I put the show out there, retweet it or or put it on Facebook or, or email your friends about the show. The more we can spread this, the better. This time next month, I've, I've kind of already got the show in my mind, which I'm going to be doing, but I'll, I'll let you know more about that next month. Uh, but this time next month, ideally... I'll have a book that is written. Now, it still will need to go to the editor and I'll still need to go through all the process of getting it out there, but um, it's exciting times and uh, and it's quite cool because quite a few of you guys have emailed me through with lots of encouragement around my book, so I'm really excited to see what I can produce and, uh, and how I can create content that can help people with my book. So um, thanks for your support. Keep spreading the word and uh, I'll see you guys next month.